Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Fiction, science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the house of mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro. David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm Springs. We've made it back, and uh, joining us now is the one and only. Uh, Daniel J. Duke, and he's going to be talking about his great-great-grandfather, uh, I believe that's what it was, Jesse James, and his book, Jesse James and the Lost Templar Treasure, Secret Diaries, Coded Maps, and the Knights of the Golden Circle. Thank you for being here, Daniel. It's my pleasure, and thanks for having me. This is the first I'm hearing about Jesse James and uh, a relation to the Lost Templar treasure, so I'm pretty excited. It's It's been an exciting journey, just the last 20 years of researching this. I was just as stunned when I found when I stumbled on that as, as I'm sure most people are. Um, that's How did you choose the title of the book? It's awfully long. <laughs> yeah, it is long. 
I was trying to come up with something short and sweet, you know, like a normal, like most books. And uh, it just, you know, I had to basically just have a title that described quickly what, you know, what the book was about. And that's that's the shortest one I could come up with. Uh, the publisher, th- thankfully, I had a good publisher, and uh, they came up with the best possible title because some of the ideas I had just didn't sound sound that great. <laughs> it yeah. sounded a little weird. <laughs> I relate to that, I know. Uh, I, listen, um, so let's first of all connect you, Jesse James. So um, what's your relation to Jesse? He, he was my great-great-grandfather. Okay, is that through your mother, through your father? How did that oh, work? Yeah, it was through my mother. Uh, my late mother, Betty Dorset Duke, had written three books over the last 25 years dealing with Jesse. And uh, when she passed in 2015... I decided to, you know, I'd helped her research through through most of those years, and uh, when I wasn't helping her, I was trying to find any treasures that he may have had. There are a lot of legends that passed down through the family about treasures, so that that's how this book came about. Uh, just researching the treasure when I wasn't helping her with the genealogical work and other stuff. What what can you tell us about Jesse James? What do you think that uh, people should know most? About him. Okay, the big, the biggest thing is uh, he didn't die as history stated he did. You know, history claims that he was shot in the back of the head by a fellow gang member, Robert Ford, Robert and Charlie Ford, and uh, they, uh, you know, he, he died in St. Joseph, Missouri, on April third, eighteen eighty-two, and that's how history states it. Uh, and where all the evidence we've dug up over the last couple of decades has shown he faked his death. And he did die. He faked his death, came to Texas, and lived out in a peaceful life as a farmer and a Freemason uh, until 1943 at the age of 97. And he yeah. took the alias James Lafayette Courtney, which was a cousin's name. Wow. That's quite the story. So how did, how did he uh, fake his death? In, in what way? And how did he get away with people believing that uh, he was dead? Okay, uh, in eight, he, he had moved to Texas and used the alias James Lafayette Courtney in 1871. And a lot of people don't know, he, he had been trying to find a way out for years. In fact, in 1879, and it's well documented in newspapers of, from that time, he had, with the help of one of his fellow gang members, George Shepard, uh, he tried to fake his death in Oklahoma. And George wrote in, you know, they, they killed a deer or an antelope and uh, left a blood trail leading off into some thick brush. And George rode into town and told, you know, the sheriff that he'd killed Jesse. And they tried to pass it off. The posse went and searched. They never could find a body, so nobody bought the story. And uh, two years later, his cousin, his first cousin, Wood Height, who bore a strong resemblance to Jesse, was shot by Dick Liddell. And uh, I, I believe one of the farmhands, and I got to go on a backstory with that. Uh, the, the Ford brothers, Bob and Charlie Ford, they had a sister named Martha. Well, Martha was a she was a single lady, had some children, and there was a lot of rumors about a love triangle in between her, Wood Height, and her farmhand, and possibly some other men. But uh, there was an argument, jealousy. Woodhite got shot and killed. Dick Liddell got wounded, and Woodhite 
you know, being Jesse's first cousin, and it resem- resembled him strongly, they passed the body off as Jesse James. Um, it, it, um, uh, that he was near, he wasn't in the same city, but it was during the winter. The ground was too frozen to, to bury anybody, and they, they covered him up, and I think they, they used that as the perfect opportunity to pass his body off as Jesse. Uh, none of the, uh, law enforcement, the Pinkerton detectives or anybody else could identify Jesse. That's why he got by with some, you know, one of the reasons he got, he had such a long outlaw career. Nobody knew what he looked like and it's kind of hard to catch somebody when you don't even have a good description of him. So it, the only people who really knew what he looked like were his immediate family and gang members and they, they helped, you know, they went along with it and said, yeah, that's, that's Jesse. So uh, what do you think that um, with all the movies and the um, shows and things about Jesse James, um, what do you think um, is right? Like what, what do people know that's correct about him? That's what I'm there's, there's a lot that's been, you know, with movies. I, some people get mad at Hollywood for making a, you know, playing with history and not giving the, the you know, getting down to all the facts. But to me, you know, movies are entertaining, and I always enjoyed all of them. Uh, I didn't like the way it ended, but that's just how you know yeah. it was entertaining, and it made it made a great story. But at the same time, um, there's a lot that some other books. You know, I think of course the death, the way they they report his death is completely wrong, and but it's not their fault that Jesse needed to ha- needed that lie to to live on to live. You know, it was either that or eventually get caught and probably killed or spend the rest of his life in a prison. So he needed that that lie, and that lie passed down as authentic history. Um, a lot of people looked at him, you know, half the country viewed him as a, America's Robin Hood, and the other half, you know, the other half of the country, if, if, if it was even as many as half of the country, viewed him as a, you know, just a really bad man who needed to be brought in. Um, he was real popular. And that came also with the help of a newspaper man named John Newman Edwards, who had helped him out a lot. Uh, he, he added to the, the Robin Hood status of the James gang. But, you know, it, most of the stories get the basics right. It's just the death that was wrong about it. So, uh, now, how did he get involved in uh, Freemasons and, and all this Knights Templar? How does this story connect with him some people have asked me if he was in the freemasons before he changed his name i have no proof of that i've never been able to find any proof but i do have proof that after he changed his name and was here in texas he joined the freemasons um and i you know with all old outlaws there's always some kind of treasure legend associated with them most of the time, it turns out to be just nothing more than a good campfire tale. But I thought, you know, he, a map had passed down through the family, of one, a couple of his treasures. and But I could never find where, you know, I couldn't find a geographic location that those maps applied to. And I went from there to searching. I thought maybe at most I may find a... Uh, a jar of coins or an old saddlebag with a couple of coins, I would have been happy. And that's when I stumbled on to, to all the other treasures. So how, so maybe start this with um, how you and what evidence you found to connect him to lost treasures and coded maps and stuff. 
Okay. Well, he had he had left several he had he had several treasure maps. Those passed down through the family. I had tried to locate those and I wasn't able to. There was also rumors that he was a member of a secretive Southern society during, that formed during the Confederate the uh, Civil War. There were a Confederate secret society called the Knights of the Golden Circle. Everybody, a lot of people refer to them as the KGC, just their acronym. But they, uh, after, during the war, their job was to slow Union movements and cause as much trouble for the North as they could. After the Civil War, their stated alleged goals were to find enough wealth in any way they could to fund a second Civil War. And I thought, well, I know he, he was, you know, he rode, he rode with a guerrilla, a southern confederate guerrilla group, so it wouldn't shock me if he wasn't a member of the Knights of the Golden Circle. But I never could find any proof of that. In treasure hunting circles and other books, there was mention of a template, a treasure template. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe this could be of use for locating his treasure. And I went along, you know, just, it took years doing this. Uh, I finally, I couldn't find anything at first. And a former former Texas Attorney General Wagner Carr had been talking to my mother a lot over the years about Jesse. He was very interested in Jesse James. He originally believed another person was Jesse until he saw my mother's evidence, and then he you know he believed our story. Um, he had his driver show my mother and I where two uh, three three treasures were that were large treasures and where they were recovered. Um, they'd already been taken and recovered, so but it was nice knowing where they were. Finding those locations or being shown those locations helped me figure out the dimensions of the template. So I I, I, I knew where all these treasures were. In addition to another, um, there was a man named George Roaming. When he was 10 years old, Jesse was an old man. George was hired by Jesse to bury, to move and bury 680 bars of gold, each weighing about 15 pounds each. Uh, when he was in El Paso, I went out to meet him with my mother. He drew us a map to where it was located. We found, and he told us to go find it. So we went, you know, obviously we went looking, and uh, it's on Fort Hood Military Reservation. So there's no way we're going to even touch that. Uh, if it's even still there, it may have been moved or recovered since then. But uh, that, that helped line up everything with the template. I started branching out. And I noticed that when I branched out and covered the whole state of Texas with this template in the form of a grid pattern, it lined up with other known treasure locations, rumored treasure locations, and sites of historic importance. And I went further on Google Earth drawing this grid pattern. It lines up with places like the Newport Tower in Rhode Island, uh, the Los Lunas Decalogue Stone in New Mexico, Scott Walter of, of uh, America Unearthed. It lines up with the the hooked X symbol on the Kensington runestone that he had discovered. Um, it just and that just started amazing me. I thought this is a lot of these sites are are much older than the Knights of the Golden Circle, so that rules that out. Who could it have been? And that's how I, to make a long story short, it led straight to uh, the Freemasons. Wow. Um, so what kind of a life did he live after his fake death? Was it just all based on this sort of? Search, I believe so. His his life after that, he he uh, he was very secretive, even with most of his children. They said, you know, they never knew where he was going. He would ride in the morning. He would saddle on, you know, saddle up his horse and ride off in one direction, and then he'd return 
in the evening coming from the opposite direction. And nobody ever knew where he was going or what he was doing. Um, you know, he, he played, passed himself off as a farmer, but he never really worked that hard, judging from his diary that he left behind. Uh, he didn't do that much work. He'd usually hire other people to do work for him. And most farmers back in those days, it was hard just to keep food in, on your table, let alone having enough goods to sell to the store or the market. So, you know, he was he was living very well, but nobody knew how or why. Where, where, where do you think he got the money? Robberies and uh, there, there's probably a lot of robberies they did that aren't documented, but he had a lot more gold than he should have had, even if, you know, after running a, a long career as an outlaw, he had robbed a lot of banks and trains and stages, but he'd never taken uh, as much gold as has been found and recovered in the area around his, where he lived. So I, I don't know where he got it all. I think part of it may have been, I think later on, part of the, when he joined the Freemasons, I do think some of the gold, that gold ties back into the founding of America, um, Rosicrucians, Freemasons, men like Francis Bacon, John Dee, who was his mentor, all the way back to the Knights Templar. And I think that may be where a lot of the gold came from from the Templar, and through the centuries, they just slowly added to the catches around the country. So did he pass on any of this information to any of his kids so that they could carry it on? Or? He, he passed on a lot of clues. He did pass on some information to some of his children, but it was he didn't just come out and say it. It was like he would leave clues, and they had to figure it out. Um, like, well, in his diary, he left a, strong, a lot of strong clues, his name was, you know, he w he lived under the name James Lafayette Courtney. On one of the pages of his diary, he wrote, When Stillman Trist, J.L. Courtney is my heist. And I thought, well, that pretty much says he stole his name. That's That J.L. Courtney is my heist. And then on another page, he signed his name, J. James. And then um, yet another page has the initials J.W.J. So, and there's a lot of uh, gang member, known, known James gang members, listed in his diary as well so now um have you been able to follow up any of this stuff with um you know the ford family or any of the other people that were involved in the faking of his death one of the descendants of the ford charlie ford had contacted my mother and uh, he he their story fell right in line with our story and he uh it you know all the their, theirs was mostly family lore and they had a couple of photographs and the photograph they had of Bob and Charlie after the alleged death um, they were they were on horseback and my great-great-grandfather was right between them so you know there's a photo of them together after the alleged assassination so what what's it going to take to prove that um, he actually lived and didn't die uh, to the hands of Ford like what, what would it take all right. Well, in my opinion, we've already proven it. My mother proved it with uh, all the forensic data, you know, uh, a forensic analysis of all the photographs. They matched our, our family photographs to known historically accepted photographs of Jesse and his family and all the other records. But to really seal the deal, it's going to take DNA. And that's where, you know, they, they supposedly did the... Uh, they exhumed the grave, the alleged grave of Jesse in 1995 in Kearney, Missouri, and they claimed that they proved with DNA 
that they, you know, that he did die as history stated. Well, after looking into all the facts surrounding that, they didn't prove anything. Uh, the county commissioner at the time, Stephen Caruso, who's, who's an attorney in Kansas City now, he, he was the county commissioner and he's been on record as stating the hair he, he, he said it was a tawdry sideshow and he could, the way they did it was just a circus. Um, he told my mother and I in person that the hair they submitted that they tested and the tooth that they tested weren't from Jesse. The hair that they claimed was from Jesse, John, uh, De, uh Stephen Caruso had pulled the, that hair out of his friend's head who was at the time the Clay County Parks Director. He put it in an envelope and that's what they tested as Jesse's hair. Uh, he said he kept the hair from the museum because the way they were going about it, it was real shady and nobody was even qualified to do that testing. Um, or the people in charge of it. The, the tooth that they tested was dug up by amateurs in 1978 in the yard of the, the James Farman Museum along with a hog's tooth and a dog's tooth and kept in a Tupperware jar and passed around for people to touch and handle and all that kind of stuff. So there's no chain of custody on anything they tested. And the grave that they did exhume, they found two bodies in, including a female body, um, and they got no DNA out of that grave. They claimed that they, you know, when asked, why didn't you exhume Jesse's mother and just compare the DNA? They said that went against uh, Missouri law, which was completely wrong. There was no such Missouri law stating that that they couldn't exhume her. Um, so everything they claimed has been, excuse the pun, but shot shot full of holes. So, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell me, like, wh why do you think he, he would fake his death? Like, was it to change his lifestyle? Like, what, what, what was the deal with that? He, he wanted out, uh, well, he tried to surrender at the end of the Civil War. Uh, that the war, when he was a guerrilla, that was that war had started ten years before the, the the official beginning of the Civil War. It was between Kansas and Missouri. Uh, Red Legs from Kansas were were raiding into Missouri. Uh, he was fourteen years old. He was plowing plowing his field on his family farm. Uh, Red Legs from Kansas rode in, strapped him to the plow, brutally beat him went on to the house, hung his stepfather almost to the point of death, and gave him permanent brain damage. They pushed his pregnant mother around, strapped her to a tree, and whipped her. Um, so, you know, he wanted revenge. That's, that was his whole reason for going and joining Quantrell's guerrillas. Then after the war was over, he tried to surrender, and he got shot through the chest. Um, they, most normal Confederate soldiers were granted amnesty at the end of the war, except for the Confederate guerrillas, and he was a guerrilla, so he wasn't granted amnesty. They, When they uh, dealt with them, they would hunt them down and kill them on sight or try them, put them in prison, and then execute them. So he didn't really have much of a chance, choice. It was either leave the country or choose the outlaw life, and he chose to be an outlaw. Hmm. Now, um, I just, you know, uh, so what happened to all the money? you think after he died i think it most of it see a lot of people claim and historians claim that they would rob a bank or a train and they'd burn through the money real quick and that, i don't think that was the case at all i think they kept enough to live on and the rest of it was added to different catches in different locations so now um what what's the tie to oak island and, and that? okay 
um, I, you know, tracing this back from Jesse, I wanted to know, okay, I, I'd already discounted the uh, Knights of the Golden Circle because a lot of these and the historical sites that line up with this, this uh, template predate the KG. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. See, so I, I, it was kind of like... Uh, doing a family tree only for an organization. I wanted to know everybody involved and find the beginning. So I, I went from, you know, Jesse through Freemasons, Albert Pike, who was a famous Freemason, uh, and that traced back through Freemasonry to a lot of the, the founding fathers of the, of the U.S. who were Freemasons. And from them, it, it tied in with uh, um, Francis Bacon in England, and I thought, okay, this is the guy who did it. He's the father of modern day Freemasonry. He's, uh, you know, he was a genius. There's so many works attributed to him. He had to have been the guy. And then I, I got to looking around him, and it went further back through John D., who was his mentor. John D. was known as the original 007, a famous alchemist, advisor to Queen Elizabeth. Uh, it went from him on through different alchemists and uh, Jewish rabbis. And I traced the Jewish rabbis back to a famous rabbi named, they, he went by the name of Rashi, or he's often called Rashi. 
Um, he was the favored court guest of Hugh, the Count of Champagne, who was one of the founders of the Knights Templar. And it, it, there's a lot in between that. Uh, but he, uh, like one map, I found a hidden map with one of the, you know, tracing the Jewish rabbis back. There was a, a book written in 1516 called Porte Lucis, and it has a hidden map. It's also got the Tree of Life on the cover, you know, an illustration with a rabbi uh, sitting on a chair that's in the shape of the hooked X, which has been made famous by Scott Walter, and he ties that in with the Knights Templar as well. So there's a lot of cross. Uh, our research is crossed in a lot of areas and point to the same direction. Um, it's just it's been amazing. And if you'd like, I could go into more detail about any of this. Uh, I don't know if we have time or not. Yeah, we have a little bit of time. Um, maybe get into a little bit more detail on the. Uh because uh, Oak Island's so popular and the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, and I apologize for forgetting about Oak Island on that. Uh, I believe when the Templar in 1307, when they were raided, uh, a lot of them, it's said and believed by a lot of historians that they escaped, they went to Scotland, and from there, uh, with also people they knew in Scotland, like the St. Clair family, uh, it's said that they, they brought the treasures to the New World, and most of them, I believe, stopped at Oak Island and buried something. I don't know what they buried there, but I think that I personally believe they used Oak Island as a staging area and over the years branched out across the Americas. I don't know if anything's still there at Oak Island or if, if, uh, they, or if it's all gone or been recovered and moved. I also think... Well, the- uh, we- Oh, go ahead. <laughs> the Lagina brothers are still digging there. I mean, we see the show on the History Network. Yeah. Uh, I, I've personally been on the island a few times myself because I grew up near there. It's it's pretty fascinating. I I was brought up to believe that there is something there, just uh, the whole idea that every 10 feet they were finding oak logs down into, you know, over 100 feet and then uh, found this stone that uh, they later decrypted that evening to, to say, you know, so far below uh, a million pounds are buried, and mm-hmm. then when they come back the next day, the thing is full of water. Yeah, they you know. Did the, yeah, and I've <laughs> yeah. heard that. I've, I've read that and heard that. Um, you know, President Roosevelt had looked for the treasure there. Also, right. uh, John Wayne, you know, the famous actor John Wayne had, had also searched for the treasure there. And other people, it's, I, I do, I agree with you on that. There's, there's too much evidence showing at the very least that something was there. And if they're recovering, you know, as they're going down into that, through the pit, you know, like you mentioned, every 10 feet there were logs and uh, I think it was coconut fibers. That's right, yeah. Uh, they, it shows, to me, that says it, something's still down there because yeah. you know if the coconut fibers were laid out and the logs were laid out as they were, that, that just indicates that something's still down there. If it had already been recovered from the spot, it would have been all jumbled up and you know a mess. Well, some people believe that uh, as well as Templar treasure, there are also uh, papers down there that prove that Francis Bacon was the actual uh, writer of Shakespeare's works. I've heard the same thing, and you know that that story also applies to uh, the Bruton Parish Vault in Williamsburg, Virginia, uh, which is part of a part of the one. There's two templates I discovered when I was researching this. One I call the Veil Template. It looks like a grid system covering Mexico, the United States, and Canada. 
And the other template, which plays along with the veil template, is in the shape of the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. And uh, the, the head of it is at the Bruton Parish Church. And it's uh, all the numbers in the gematria tie in with different meanings and distances. It all ties in together. But Marie, Marie Bauer Hall, who was the uh, wife of Manley Palmer Hall, who was a famous uh, 33rd degree Mason author and lecturer, she had found, uh, decrypted a lot of anagrams on tombstones in the church at Williamsburg and located the original foundations of the church. Nobody believed her until she proved them and excavated the original foundations. And in addition to that, she said there was a vault, I believe it was 22 feet below the cemetery, which is supposed to contain documents just like what you had stated that uh, prove you know, documents of historical and spiritual significance that also prove that Francis Bacon was the uh, author of the Shakespeare works, in addition to other other information. It's interesting how that keeps cropping up. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, there, and if you, like uh, Mark Twain, he had, he had mentioned or stated his belief very strongly that anybody, you know, basically that, that Francis Bacon was the author of the Shakespeare works. Interesting. I've been fascinated with masonry and um, that kind of thing for quite some time. Uh, how deeply have you looked into it? Are you a mason yourself? I don't know if you're allowed to talk about that. If you, I don't oh. know the rules. Tell you, but he'd have to kill you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm not a Freemason. I do plan on joining if if they'll have me. Um, I after all the research I've done over the years. And you know, I read Morals and Dogma and a lot of other of the works of Manly Palmer Hall, and even the current day, uh, like not the Knight Templar Grandmaster Timothy Hogan. I've read his books, uh, all of which you know I was searching for clues. And whilst doing that, I I have come to the belief, a firm belief, that the whole reason the United States was formed was. For the, you know, all these different groups throughout history from the Templar, the Jewish rabbis, Rosicrucians, alchemists, all these different groups were persecuted horribly by the church, you know, in the Middle Ages and, and throughout the years. Um, and they, they had one common goal or a strong common goal was to have a place where they could all coexist and speak their minds or, or practice their beliefs without worrying about being burned at the stake or, or beheaded. So uh, I think that's the whole reason behind all of this. The gold that, that the Templar were said to have discovered, along with historic documents from not only the Jewish faith, but Druze and Sufi mystic documents and other articles uh, and beliefs that they had brought over and hidden. I think a lot of it is maybe too, too uh, sensational for society to handle at times. But I think it's meant to come out slowly. I think they slowly feed things out when they think the time is right. And I think that's that's a big part of this whole story. So for someone that um, doesn't know what Freemasons are or what they do, can you give kind of a rundown of that? Well, I, I don't I'm not one, so yeah. I, I can't you know, I'm not an expert on that, but at the same time, I think They've got a saying that I always liked, and every Freemason that I've known was uh, very nice. I haven't met a, a horrible one or a bad guy that was a Freemason. They, uh, they've they got the slogan, they take a good man and make him better. Um, I, 
I don't believe they're a religion. They don't practice, you know, one one certain belief, and and you have to follow that. They it's just a group. Basically, what their idea was for America or for the Americas was a land of freedom and liberty. They 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 can come together, people from different backgrounds, races, and and faiths, and just coexist and share their ideas and expand on on each other's knowledge. And I think that's the basics of Freemasonry. Well, Interesting. They do require that you believe in in uh, a higher power of some sort, and I'm curious uh, to find out more. Maybe I'll have to talk to a Mason about it. <laughs> I, that's a good idea. I, I have read that as well. You have to you have have to believe in a supreme being or deity, and yeah. you know that's you know I think that's basically one of the there's a few a few uh, few things you gotta check off the list if you believe this or that then then you're fine what do you hope people get when they read your book i think there's several things first jesse james just that alone that changes you know history here in the united states in the old west uh but beyond jesse he was you know he, he was an important part in his time but he was just one small part of a giant picture that goes back to the Templars and, and even be beyond that. Um, there, I think, you know, a lot of the Freemasons, like I'd mentioned, they wanted all these different groups, Jews, Jews, Muslims, uh, Freemasonry, all these different beliefs, races, and backgrounds. Can co- it's, it's, it, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm starting to get tongue-tied. But basically, everybody can coexist and get along together and, you know, it, and still enjoy freedoms and liberties. Um, the Freemasons aren't a bad group just because they have some secrets. They're, they're uh, protectors of a lot of different faiths, liberty, and freedom. And that's how I, I view the, the whole point of this was, you know, I, I started looking for treasure. It was kind of my own. I wanted to have something from my grandfather, but I also wanted gold. Who wouldn't want gold? But right. then as, as I got deeper into it, I realized the gold's not for me. It's for a much greater purpose. And it was while researching, it's almost like I had an awakening of some sort and changed, it changed me as a person. And I think this, the treasures, the Freemasons, uh, I view them as heroes. And I think that's why we have a free country with liberty and, you know, freedom. So uh, I think that's basically the point of it. And we can't all coexist. So we can it's all. hard. You yeah. can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Turns pretty bumpy when you can't, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. You you mentioned geometry, uh, I can't even pronounce that, Uh, and esoteric symbols. How deeply did you dive into this stuff? And if it's math, I'm probably going to fail. It's a lot of math in it, uh, geometry, but it's, it's, and I was the same way. I thought, oh, my God, what is this stuff? It it was, you know, a lot of headaches and a lot of coffee. But uh, over time, it's... As simply as I can say it, um, the Hebrew alphabet is 22 letters, and they assigned a number to each letter. Um, then, when you when you make different combinations of letters and of letters, that spells out diff- or different combinations of letters amount or add up to certain numbers. And those the words that they make or phrases have a strong correlation to other words and phrases that mean similar 
or that have a similar definition, and I'm probably mangling this, but uh, so the so the number of the beast and all that kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. But uh, the the number of the beast I never came across on that. Other than, but that's another thing. There's a lot of different meanings for like like six six six, for example. That's also a solar number that represents the sun. Uh, it's also like for a. I had a one lady tell me, you know, you shouldn't be looking into that stuff. She was a very religious lady, and I I asked her why, and we got to talking. I pointed out to her, uh, King Solomon. It's mentioned in the Old Testament that the gold he received every year as tributes from other people around him always amounted to 666 talents of gold. Mm-hmm. And so it's not always a bad number. Uh, you know, people see that number and a lot of them shy away from it real quick, but it could mean a lot of other things. Or you could add it up, you know, 6 plus 6 plus 6 is, you know, 6 times 3 is 18, eight, 1 plus 8 is 9, and 9 can be viewed as the number of truth. So it just depends on how you look at it. Wow. Um, so, what what are you what are you hoping? Like when you you've done this book and you're kind of promoting it and stuff, are are you hoping that this brings you closer to the family, the James family, and fills in some of your history? Is that part of this? That thing? that that's a big part of it. Um, when my mother first came out with this, she uh, she thought, and we all thought. The, you know, the world would be happy to know that he wasn't assassinated and shot, you know, shot by the dirty coward Robert Ford and that Robert Ford wasn't actually a dirty coward. He was helping him out. Um, when we my mother took that and presented it to the, the, the James Farman Museum in Missouri, they weren't they weren't happy at all. They didn't like hearing it. Um, and it just got worse from there over the years. She would write a book and they would they would mock her and harass her online um, the second book, after she wrote her second book, they, uh, people connected with the James Farmer Museum and sent death threats to her. The FBI got involved and put a stop to that, thankfully. And uh, it just, you know, it was very, it was, it was real hard dealing with them. But uh, it wasn't all of them. It was just a small vocal group that was that were tied in with the Farm and Museum in Missouri. But uh, yeah, I would like to somehow eventually restore relationships or some kind of re- working relationship where people could just, you know, share their evidence. It would be great. So uh, now your mother's passed. Have you got any other family left uh, that's part of this? Yeah, my sister, Teresa, uh, she and I wrote a book together that's just strictly about Jesse and goes into more detail about this. It's it's slated to come out next summer. Um and then, you know, we've got other relatives and co- a lot of cousins and relatives who have heard the same stories. Now, do you have a website that people can go to if they want to find out more information or contact you? Yeah, uh, my website is authordanduke.com. And you can also, you can type in my name, Daniel J. Duke, or uh, on in Google or Yahoo or any other search engine and find a lot of, you know, my Facebook, my Twitter. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. I can't. For some reason, I can't remember those addresses by heart. It's uh, just, but you can search for my name. I've got a page, Facebook, and Twitter, and my my website. How, what's your What's the response on the book in general right now? What kind of feedback are you getting? It's been real good. I've had one one uh, negative review from some guy, and the rest of the reviews have been great. My favorite one is from the current Knight Templar Grandmaster. 
wrote a, a glowing endorsement of my book, and it's actually printed on the back of my book. Uh, Timothy W. Hogan is his name, and he's also an author and lecturer. So, so he actually has accepted this as well, like uh, from Freemason. Oh yeah, if you'd like, I can read a quick paragraph that he from from a couple of the paragraphs. But yeah, it's uh, he he wrote. There have always been those who have sought to shape history to ensure that freedoms and artifacts could be preserved in the Americas. Daniel J. Duke's book is on the cutting edge of revealing some of what lies remained or some of what has remained hidden. Anybody who is interested in the Templar legacy and their connections with the Americas will find true gems in this book. And part of the, the rest of it, he had also mentioned that I had cracked part of the code tying back to uh, the Templar and the treasures from Jerusalem. Wow. So, yeah, it, I, I saw that, and it, it was, you know, I, I couldn't have dreamed of a better endorsement than that. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, now, of course, now this book is available everywhere, and of course it's on Amazon, and we will put it on our website so people can just go one click while they're listening. Well, thank you. Well, of course. And uh, so our guest has been the author of The Lost Templar Treasure, and uh, the story is uh, about Jesse James, and we've had uh, his great-great-grandson, Daniel J. Duke. Thank you for being here. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Daniel. Awesome stuff. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.